Welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode with your host, Harini Bot, And your other host, Megan Gesner. I guess we should be calling this month of episodes, That Shit is Spooky. <laughs> because <laughs> we're not focusing on poisons uh, as of uh, what, how many episodes month. are... Four episodes that will be dropped in October. Exactly. Um, it's a Spooktober a, series of yes, That Shit is Poison. This is the Spooktober series. Um, and it's kind of exciting that we're doing this. Because that's just like different and it's fun and ooh. it's 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 yeah it's different and it's exciting just like in any kind of relationship we gotta spice it up so that's yeah. what we're doing but also is- it was so funny because when Megan and I started the podcast which was it's coming up on a year mm-hmm. but it was obviously in October and mm-hmm. actually very close to Halloween time but I remember mm-hmm. us talking about this when we first started we're like oh my god like when it's almost a year let's do all Halloween stories. For for yes. the month of October. Like, let's do ghost stories. <laughs> like, we were yeah, already planning yeah, yeah. that way back uh, day one, week one. So mm-hmm. this has been a long yep. time in the making. And I guess it's a fun fact. The story I did about being buried alive, that was the story I had in mind all the way back then. <laughs> Whoa. That's wild. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah, really cool. I, I saved that in my back pocket until one year later. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled it out uncrinkled it oh it's been washed <laughs> in the dryer <laughs> gotta <Yeah>. steam it <laughs> steam it steam it steam it yeah yeah so that's great all around oh i love that you have fulfilled your dream <laughs> yes i have of being telling the buried alive stories and sort yes. of on that note we got a listener feedback that i want to share i think it's what i talked about in the last episode or maybe an episode prior to that about the man mm-hmm. who went missing for 35 years and then just oh, like yeah. came back to life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he didn't die, right. but he just like went somewhere and then came back. Okay. Right. This is from our listener, Catherine. She says, just finished so 42 and started 43. And I wanted to bring up the theory of dissociative fugue for the guy who went missing for 35 years. And I'm like, yes, please tell us mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. This is what she says. It's a type of dissociative amnesia where you can forget your identity and start a new one, but then suddenly remember and return to your old life at some point. It's Mm -hmm. usually not longer than months, but I believe I learned about someone who had won for like nine years. Wow. I know. It's kind of crazy. It is often accompanied by travel and they tend to not remember what they were doing during the fugue, which fits Mm. with this guy. He could have left for the airport, gone into a fugue state, and ended up who knows where for 35 years, then returned. Obviously, extremely unlikely, but possible. Mm-hmm. Thank that you, Catherine. Really, yeah, thank you. That's a really interesting theory. Honestly, I put that in the bucket of more plausible theories rather mm-hmm. than obviously like he's a time traveler or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it, um, I'd, I'd, I need to look into that because I'm so intrigued. Like, I wonder if... I don't know a lot about fugue states at all, um, mm. but I'm like, if do, I wonder if a dissociative fugue, if there's some connection to like schizophrenia disorders or things like that. But mm. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to say in the minimal knowledge that I have, probably not because like those schizophrenias, I feel like something that is not a one-time thing. It's like an ongoing where a dissociative fugue sounds like it's just like, it just happens. So right. I'm curious, but that's a really great theory. Mm, yeah, intrigued. I had, I personally have never heard of that theory at all, or, or I have never heard of dissociative fugue ever. Mm-hmm. So I have to do my research a little bit more to figure that out. Yeah, but thank you, Catherine. All the same. 
Yeah. Really cool. That's a great theory. Yeah. Um, Another news that I have mm-hmm. before we can start the the real spooky stories. So mm-hmm. I was just browsing my news and there's an update to the Gabby Petito case. Oh, so okay. mm-hmm. it's very brief. I will try to find the article after this and I'll link it in the show notes. But basically mm-hmm. the gist of it is uh, where we left off is Brian Laundry went to a reserve and he's basically been missing since September 14th. So it's been a while now, right? And yeah. we know the facts that he is well-equipped and well-versed in spending a lot of time outside in the wilderness and surviving out there for long periods of time. So mm-hmm. right now the FBI are tracking him down to the best of their abilities through this reserve. And I believe either early this morning or perhaps even yesterday, they found traces of human like uh, human activity in terms of like a campsite and that kind of thing in the reserve. So they mm. do think that they're kind of hot on his trail, so to speak. And I believe they also found maybe a vehicle. Yes, they found one of his parents' vehicle, which I'm assuming is what he used to travel to the reserve, mm-hmm. abandoned um, mm. some miles away uh, within the reserve. So they're sort of picking up some pieces. They're sort of on some sort of trail. They know that he is there in the reserve. He hasn't left the reserve or gone somewhere else. He's definitely somewhere within and he keeps moving, of course. Uh, but that's just the latest and greatest on that case and we'll continue to update. But it's been quite quiet for a while ever since Mm. that september 17th uh press release so interesting to get at least some bit of news so hopefully they are on his scent (laughs) yeah absolutely um and i know we asked this last time but i kind of still have the same thought in my head of like Mm. how it's this is still fresh like in the grand scheme of things everything's still fresh so of course they're gonna continue to search especially if they just came across evidence that he was around they're Mm -hmm. gonna continue that search but i'm like like i'm i'm sure there are instances of people evading capture evading police that go go missing right and i'm like at what point in time does that do they do we stop looking you know and mm, i'm not yeah. applying that really to this situation because i feel like with this new um you know evidence of his campsite or whatever and the car being abandoned that's like a really good motivation obviously to continue going obviously motivation to <laughs> find <laughs> yeah the person that might be you know the reason why she's she's gone mm-hmm. i'm just like hypothetically in a scenario where it's like okay it's been five to ten years right does that become a cold case or is it technically this case is still open and they're still looking for him but like how much resources go into that so that's just a question for myself Mm, like i would i need to look into like um how those processes work for like the fbi or like police and stuff i know that was just kind of a question for yourself but now i'm kind of thinking out loud that what is considered a cold case because in the scenario and i know it's not 100 percent proven but i would say it's quite likely that he is the murderer of gabby petito mm. but let's just say mm-hmm. like in the scenario that it's 100 percent true that he is the one mm-hmm. that took her life um mm-hmm. and in the scenario that you said as well it's been five to ten years they still haven't found him for some reason right yeah. Is that considered a cold case? Because in my mind, I think of cold cases as like they don't know who did it 
And, right, right. you know, it's just the case has gone cold because they lost all their leads. They lost right. all the clues, whatever it might be. Right. But I don't know what it's called or what they classify under if they know who did it, but they just never find them, I guess. Right. Which would right. be really yeah, that's, frustrating. That's also what I'm asking. So these yeah. are like, I, you know, I'm sure there are like either one people who are just good with research or two true true crime (laughs) enthusiasts who know all that uh, verbatim lingo or whatever absolutely yeah i'm sure there are anyway thank you for that update yeah absolutely um one little thing i was thinking about before uh we head into the actual story i was Mm -hmm. on tiktok and there was a tiktok that i saw that i absolutely want to recreate with megan (laughs) (laughs) it's not so much like an actual thing that we would film but it was now with halloween coming up my for you page is all halloweeny stuff which i'm Uh, not mad about like i'm (laughs) enjoying it i'm saving all everything anything that's halloween i'm like yep 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 just saving everything yeah yeah. but there was one where and i've been seeing this a lot trending on not just tiktok but instagram as well uh Mm -hmm like girlfriends getting together and watching practical magic i think is the movie do you uh-huh. know what i'm talking about yes. i've never seen this movie yeah, yeah, before you, like yeah the one with the nicole kidman and Sarah oh yeah Sandoval. yeah you sent me this yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> see my mind is probably sent it to megan then i dumped that information like i usually do forgot about it saw a tiktok on it three days later i was like oh my god i have to send this to megan <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked my TikTok in a minute, so sorry about that. But yes, no, you I didn't send it yet. Instagram. I okay. think because I do these things where I send Megan like three or four in a row. Like sometimes I'm just like on fire on my FYP yeah. page. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. These right. ones, Megan's going to laugh her ass out at this. So I just keep sending yes. them. And then I get to a point where I have to like <laughs> cut myself off because I'm like, Harini, that's that's too much. That's too, too much. Many. She doesn't no, want that it. many. <laughs> all at once yeah it's like it's like my version of harini's fyp page so i get to see what she's seeing exactly yeah, i don't know if yeah. you guys have seen i'm sorry guys if you don't do tiktok and you're like what the hell are you talking about but your for you page is basically like your um i don't know what's, what's the equivalent on instagram like there is one like your explore feed your explore feed exactly yeah. that's what mm-hmm. it is like based on your likes it just populates all these things because like ai and shit like that but anyways yeah. so there's like this Sort of like a meme going around of Sean Mendez. Have you seen this? <laughs> I haven't seen the meme, but I have a strong feeling. I, is it from an interview that he yes, did? Yes. This is not a I meme, but like feeling. the thing going around where they asked him what's on his For You page on TikTok. And he uh-huh. just says, like, that's private. Like, that's for me. That's why it's called a For You page. <laughs> oh, my God. And now everyone is, like, He's... posting stuff that they think would be on his For You page. Uh, they, oh, my God. God. They always make fun of him, that poor soul. Yeah. he. Well, like, he did this one interview that there's a, a journalist, like, a pop culture journalist I follow on Instagram mm-hmm. who who continues to share snippets of the Sean Mendez interview that happened recently because the, the way he answers questions, it's just so... Uh, weird but yeah. like endearingly weird yeah but also really you're kind of an awkward dude i think it's but just because like he's canadian thing- <laughs> oh <laughs> shout that out to awkward politeness listeners. so sweet um, but yeah all i recall i remember the one that kept showing up on my page on instagram was his answer to like how he conquered laundry or like he overcame laundry or some <laughs> weird way of like saying like he was able to do it like he finally okay, learned sure. how to do laundry but the way he talked about it was like he's like oh yeah I can accomplish it or whatever it is like, it was like you're such a weird oh my god anyway. he's so endearing yeah. I love it though yeah but anyways all yeah. to say we're gonna be watching practical magic and making 
potions and <laughs> shit like that. It'll has be nothing fun. to has nothing to do with Sean Mendes. No, but, nothing. Yes. <laughs> We're just gonna enjoy our Halloween selves. Anyways, yes, on that yes. note, Megan, let's get into our spooky dooky story of the day. I'm so All excited, right. Megan. It's your <laughs> turn to, I'll I guess, pick your so. potion. <laughs> mm, pick my potion. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna start us with an activity. Oh, right. I love it. Is it a thing? I'm going to start with activity. Oh, no. But, like, <laughs> it'll be me talking in a, like, a breathy manner. Okay, okay, okay. So, all right, all right. So, Poison Pals, if you're at home, if you're comfortable in bed, um, I guess if you're doing chores, you could join in this activity. If you're driving, do not do what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I encourage you all to go ahead and close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. All right, we're sitting down, we're relaxed. I want you to envision that you are sleeping. If you can get into the sleeping pose of lying on your back, do that. But your eyes are closed and you're sleeping, okay? You're sleeping. And imagine all the lights are off, okay? Slowing your breath, okay? And it's the middle of the night and you're asleep in your dark room and everything's good. Okay, breathing. And then your eyes, they open, but everything's still dark. And you feel something. There's something there. And you're, you're looking around the room. And what is that? There's something. There's something at the foot of your bed. And it's dark and you can't move. And you start to breathe heavily. You're breathing. And there's something in your room. And it's it's there and you can't you don't know what it is. It's a shape. Is it a person? It's coming closer. It's getting closer. getting closer to your face what is it it's right there next to me i can feel its breath and scene (laughs) (laughs) someone give this lady her oscar now (laughs) give her that tony that emmy all of the above her grammy even (laughs) thank you i know it didn't end in a way that was revealing but What I wanted to exemplify is a sleep paralysis experience. Oh, yes. And that is what we'll be talking about today. The phenomenon of sleep paralysis. Holy Um, shit. Where's Kendall Jenner at? Yeah. (laughs) Right. I thought of her too. Uh, But she will not be in the story. No no feature. (laughs) Except for that one name drop. But basically, uh, my attempt there to recreate that or that kind of imagination of it Mm -hmm. is that's the typical experience of majority of sleep paralysis tales experiences it's being in your sleep and then awakening but having no control of your muscles Mm -hmm. of your body except for the fact that you you know that your breathing has increased and your eyes can move Mm -hmm. and it's being conscious but paralyzed so your body is experiencing atonia like uh, muscle either 
Well, atonia is not necessarily muscle paralysis, but that's the idea, muscle paralysis. And regardless of cultures, uh, this is something that's generalized across a lot of cultures. It's just interpretations might vary a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in sleep paralysis experiences, there is often either an entity that is seen, sensed, or heard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's an, an amorphous gray or shadowy figure. It could be the silhouette of a man, woman, what have you. What? Sometimes it's a creature on the ground, but oftentimes it's like an ambiguous thing. Like you don't really know what it is. And you start to feel a pressure on your chest. And there mm-hmm. are occasions where that entity or whatever you're hallucinating or envisioning does sit on your chest and that's what causes that tightening and the pain Whoa, in the chest that's sometimes described on sleep paralysis and i didn't end my little scenario or my simulation with anything extreme because yeah. i feel like often you don't really wake up yelling mm-hmm. i guess you can mm-hmm. but that's what would ultimately be a night terror is when you finally yeah. break out of that um but i think often it's like you sleep paralysis episodes are actually there can be as short as 10 seconds or as long as five minutes, mm-hmm. which is actually quite long, but mm-hmm. they're they're short moments. They're never like really long, drawn out things. Yeah. Um, but I think you ultimately are able to regain control of your body, depending on how you, you know, encounter this form that's in front of you or how how you decide to deal with it. But anyways, wow. What I wanted to talk about first is the science behind sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. and then we're just gonna have fun. And I'm yeah. going to read sleep paralysis stories off of Reddit. And it's just going to be spooky dookie. Yay. So <laughs> I think actually sleep paralysis is such a like a very popular phenomenon to talk about and discuss. So mm-hmm. a lot of this might not be new to some of you. I always find it fascinating, even though some like for me doing the research, it was kind of like repeat material. But there's something about sleep and sleep disorders that I think are really, really cool. So how I'm going to start. Sorry, it's not going to be spooky for a little bit. It'll be a little bit sciencey, but I think that helps. I think I that like will that. take the edge yeah, off. That'll take the edge off of sleep paralysis. So, I want to first talk about like the sleep cycle in general so that we can understand what happens in the sleep cycle that causes sleep paralysis. When you are sleeping, like you're going to bed at night and you're going to get your full 8 hours of sleep, in your night of sleep, you go through multiple sleep cycles. Within a single sleep cycle, there are four stages, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is one of my <laughs> more favorite topics uh, when I was in college le- in human development. Oh. I loved learning about sleep. The first stage of sleep is your... Oh, okay, so those four stages, three of them are non-rapid eye movement stages. So that's called non-REM stages. And then there's one REM stage. That's your, that's your REM sleep stage. So the first stage of sleep is called N1. Again, non-REM. It's one to five minutes long. That's when you're starting to get doze, like drowsy. Mm-hmm. You're dozing off. Um, like I said, it's a short amount of time. This is what I think of if N1 is when I'm like cuddling up with my cats <laughs> or like a partner or something. And yeah. then it's like the getting comfy and like your head starting to nod and like maybe a little drool starting to come out of your mouth and you're like oh time like it's you're falling asleep i love that part <laughs> and basically your brain activity is starting to slow down your muscles are still tight but your brain is like you know like take a break take a break right so then you enter stage two that's called n2 non-rem 
This stage can last from 10 to 25 minutes long. The So, you know how I had mentioned that you go through multiple sleep cycles throughout mm-hmm. a night? As the sleep cycles progress, this N2 stage will become longer in a cycle. But as in the mm. first sleep cycle of your full night of sleep, it's probably a shorter amount of time. So N2 will be about like 10 to 15 minutes, you know, depending on how quickly you go into sleep. Yeah. But what happens in the N2 stage, your body temperature drops, your muscles relax, your heart rate slows, eye movement begins to stop, and your brain demonstrates short bursts of activity, but this actually prevents you from being woken up. So these little bursts of activity like help you maintain that sleep stage and like gets mm-hmm. further further into sleep and this is when your parasympath- parasympathetic nervous system the one that handles digestion and relaxation and all these like maintenance things in your body starts to dominate because that's what's causing your blood your blood pressure to drop your body temperature to go down mm-hmm. all that stuff then you enter stage three which is the n3 stage This is also known as the deep sleep stage. This is where your brain activity shows delta waves. It's also known as the delta sleep stage or short wave sleep stage. This can last from 20 to 40 minutes. Once again, if you're in your second sleep cycle or third sleep cycle, it's probably a longer sleep uh, amount of time. And then they say that during the N3 stage, this Mm -hmm. is where insightful thinking is really promoted. Creativity and memory like really flourish. Um, They say that's the benefit of the stage. But over time, as you enter later cycles of your whole night of sleep, this stage gets taken over by your REM stage. So this this will actually get shorter because REM starts to take place. And so your rapid eye movement stage, that's where brain activity picks up nearing levels to awakeness. So your brain activity starts to be almost similar to how much it would be active if you were awake. But this is also where the atonia occurs. So that's your temporary paralysis Mm -hmm. of the muscles. That's what happens during your rapid eye movement stage. Mm -hmm. They say that this stage is essential to cognitive function, memory, learning, and creativity. Dreams can occur in any stage, but it's most common and intense in the REM stage. And so... They for how sleep cycles work, they say that you typically do not enter the REM stage until about 90 minutes into sleep. So what that's saying is basically one sleep cycle is 90 minutes long. So if you're getting mm-hmm. eight full hours of sleep, you're going to be doing all, about five, about oh, five wow. cycles in the night. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So that means you're repeating all those four stages huh. over yeah, and yeah. over again with some variation in time of each stage uh, sure. throughout the night. And then REM, REM mm. sleep, will be the one that dominates about 25% of your sleep the whole night. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So sleep paralysis is involved with something that's happening in the REM stage, right? Because you're dreaming, but you're also experiencing atonia. And... Sleep paralysis typically occurs either when you're falling asleep, that's called hypnagogic sleep paralysis, or versus uh, waking, waking from your sleep. And that's called hypnopompic, mm. which is um, post-dormital sleep paralysis. Yeah, And that makes sense because as you're falling asleep and as you're waking, that's when you have the highest brain activity, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
that's why I want to go through the stages to ensure that everyone can make sense <laughs> make sense of that. Like it's pretty it's, it's pretty so pretty simple, <laughs> but it's fun. No, I actually didn't yeah. know a lot of like I feel like I knew mm-hmm. basics, but that was like a really good in depth mm-hmm. overview of the sleep cycle. Yeah, know. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. One thing that I've always yeah. thought was fun. Uh, it, this is when like you've heard of how people will try to manipulate the sleep cycle to be as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, okay, each cycle is 90 minutes. And if I, so I always think about like, you know how people are like, technically you could get only 90 minutes of sleep per day and Mm -hmm. be productive for the rest of the day, depending on where you wake up in the sleep cycle. So if you wake up during a stage that is more brain activity, for example, if you're waking up during your N1 stage, you'll be like a fresh Mm -hmm. spring chicken. Like you'll be fresh when you wake up. You know how like sometimes when you wake up, you're like really like, oh, I'm up, my body's ready. And versus some Mm -hmm. other times where you're like, I am so out of it. Why am I so tired? (laughs) That's probably because you woke up during like an N3 stage. And that's why, because that's that's the deepest sleep. And it's really hard to wake during that. So if you're woken up during the N3, that's why you're like, groggy, groggy. Whoa. So I hope that makes sense. But yeah, I always think about like, I could, you could technically, it's not encouraged because it's, you don't want to do this, but like (laughs) you could technically like set your alarm and test it. Like instead of getting a full eight hours, you could time Mm -hmm. it based on when you go to sleep to to fall in one of your cycles right when your n1 would be occurring and see if you if your alarm goes off and you actually feel refreshed yeah why wouldn't we want to do that is not i think that it's still and i feel like it is said slash research that it's still important to get Mm -hmm. um plenty of sleep but I need to do more research to understand <laughs> that. I think it was something sure. that was kind of like anecdotal. It was like people have tried to do this and sure it's successful, but like, do you really want to live your life where you're measuring your sleep amount? Like just, just go to bed normally. And then yeah. <laughs> maybe you can, you can True. use this information so that when you do wake up, mm-hmm. maybe you could time it, be like a little more specific, like, okay, instead of this eight hours, like maybe it'll be like seven and a half. Cause that's right when I'll enter mm-hmm. my you know, my N1 phase or whatever. So, yeah. Got it, got it. But anyways, that's just fun stuff. So during REM, as I mentioned, that's when we experience vivid dreams. If we acted acted out these dreams, we could potentially harm ourselves or harm others, right? But Mm -hmm. that's why our brains do this magical thing of causing us to be paralyzed during this time. That's like our brain solution to ensuring that we're safe during this high activity, like dreaming sleep. That's bizarre. And what happens there, like inside the brain, you're, these are all terms that I used to know and like have gone out the window, but I'm going to repeat them here. (laughs) But your dorsal lateral pons. And your ventromedial mm-hmm. medulla of the brainstem comprise a system that actually suppresses your skeletal muscle during REM sleep. So that that's what leaves the body temporarily paralyzed. And that's specific to like when you're in REM. So that's really wow. like our brains are so fascinating. I'm like, well, why did we evolve that way? But it must be because yeah, we were dreaming totally. and we like hurt ourselves <laughs> or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the perceptual and motor aspects of REM sleep However, can sometimes decouple. And this is when a person is able to wake up without being able to move or speak 
as their paralysis has not waned. So that's just a full explanation of sure. what's happening during sleep paralysis. We don't know mm-hmm. why it does happen. We don't know why that decoupling happens. I see. Like, there's a lot of theories around that. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of like a phenomenon that our brains slash bodies are capable of doing. And we mm-hmm. do think that there's a cultural tie to that, depending on what culture you're in and how really? the culture perceives things like stress or bipolar disorder or anxiety mm. and things like that. Because there is strong evidence that, well, actually, narcolepsy is tied high, uh, actually tied to sleep paralysis a lot. But there's also yeah, evidence that if you have a very stressful life or have experienced post-traumatic stress disorders or like have PTSD... Or, you know, all the other things that I listed previously, you are probably more likely to be a victim of sleep paralysis. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. So now we're going into the, the cultural uh, Wait, interpretations of sleep question. paralysis. Yes. Uh, before you move on. When you met, just, um, just for the listeners as well as myself, when you say the uncoupling happens, mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. you mean the uncoupling of the muscles like the like the parts in your brain that make you rigid and paralyzed Mm. or what do you mean by the uncoupling uh meaning the uncoupling of having like your your brain slash body's control Mm -hmm. of keeping you unconscious while you're paralyzed that becomes uncoupled and you become conscious but that's i like we can understand why that could happen because your brain activity is so high like you're technically close to being awake and i think that's right right so that's what it means by decoupling it doesn't not anything to do with like the skeletal muscle or whatever it's just the the what's supposed to be happening Mm -hmm. splits like it it ends up not doing its job yeah become conscious basically yeah okay right gotcha cool thanks okay (laughs) (laughs) so as i had said earlier the characteristics of sleep paralysis and what is described in sleep paralysis experiences is pretty consistent across many cultures. There are some cultures that are more susceptible or have a history of having more um, reports of sleep paralysis. And there's reasons behind that. So I'll get into Mm. that. But I think what's always fun is like talking about uh, specific names for what they call the the shadow or the spirit or whatever in sleep paralysis. So here are some here is a list of cultural interpretations of okay. paralysis. I love it. Um, in Newfoundland, they call this or whatever the entity is, old hag. And oh, one of the things that they do out there to combat this old hag, or if you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm susceptible of sleep paralysis and the old yeah. hag is going to show up. Sometimes they put a Bible <laughs> under their pillow. Other times they, there's a report or I don't know how old, long ago this was done, probably a while back, but people yeah. would put a board on their chest with nails mm. sticking outwards oh, so God. that the hag couldn't crawl onto their chest and like sit on their chest. Oh. They'd be impaled by the nails if they did. So uh, that was one yeah. of the things. And so would you if you turned your ass around. Oh no. <laughs> you got to sleep straight on your back. Yeah. And I am <laughs> not a, a back sleeper. I guess yeah. that would be good habits, I guess. Who yeah. Knows? In Japan, the term for it is the kanashibari. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have more for that, but it's a kind of shibari. <laughs> in China, they're, 
their term for it they didn't have from the resources i pulled from which i will list later Mm -hmm. uh they just called it ghost oppression like the whatever it translates to it's called ghost oppression uh cambodia has something that's similar and cambodia is actually one of the countries that's very well studied in sleep paralysis because they Mm. experience very high levels of it but they call it the ghost that pushes you down in the u.s actually that one of the more common interpretations of sleep paralysis is alien abductions yeah (laughs) yeah alien abductions and actually that when i read that it made me think of a movie i had seen in like early 2000s it's called the fourth kind i don't know if you have ever seen yeah 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 Yeah. i've never watched it but i know what you're talking about okay so the fourth kind it was like like a half documentary half not but it was like they had actors replay the instances and then then have the real people give like a a testimony not testimony like a interview or something right like just most like how most documentaries are on Netflix but I remember watching it in theaters and one of the ladies her experience all of them were in Alaska too there's a lot of Mm. Alaskan abductions (laughs) up there Mm. or or alien quote quote alien abductions but I remember her describing her experience the way she described it is very similar to how you would describe sleep paralysis. But she was like, I remember I woke up. I remember seeing the clock, but I couldn't move. It was 3 a.m. Witching hour. <laughs> that is fucking scary, man. 3 a.m. And she remembers seeing a white owl outside her oh. window. And then suddenly she heard like scratching or something or footsteps outside her door. She was just saying she described it like when she recognized that there was something in her room. She smelt cinnamon, like cinnamon was the smell that she smelled at the time. And she remembers seeing like this gray entity or like it's an ambiguous form. Like it's never something that's defined. Sometimes I guess sometimes it is. But like I feel like most often it's like a mystery being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like this gray form approached her and then a white light and then done. Yeah. Which I want to note there. There is actually a sleep disorder where you can hear loud noises and see flashes of white lights and get like electrical currents in your body and the name of this disorder is called exploding head syndrome i just found out about this yeah it's called and it's something that happens they say it's people usually that have it's it's associated with your auditory system so like people Mm -hmm. that might have auditory problems or have experienced ptsd with like loud noises you know gunfire and Mm -hmm. things like that you might experience exploding head syndrome which is when you're falling asleep there's suddenly a loud bang or like a flash of light behind your eyes i think it's really fascinating but anyway i wonder why that happens and this disorder can go hand in hand with sleep paralysis it's not as common but those things can join so it's really interesting wow that's so bizarre yeah cool so going on with the list in italy well, Italy actually, or Italy and its diaspora has a lot of different <laughs> interpretations of sleep paralysis and like the demon that causes sleep paralysis and all wow. that. But the one term that popped up for me was called pandefece or pandefece, yeah, yeah. which translates to like evil witch or evil creature or something like that. Sure. And the fun thing about this one is one way that the way that they keep the evil witch away is they would put a bag of sand or beans at your feet so that the evil witch would stop and have to count all the beans (laughs) at your feet to like prevent her from crawling on your chest and then by the time she's done counting beans like you're you're like safe you've woken up at that point you better put like a million beans like what the heck yeah someone some poor soul only has two beans to put together (laughs) 
<laughs> I like, just want to know, like, who ever thought, like, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if I was the old hag or old witch that came to your bed at night and I saw those two measly beans, I'd be like, I ain't counting this. <laughs> I can and count it without touching on it. your chest. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing because, dude, like, that is so ludicrous. It's like somewhat... <sighs> Like, oh, who it makes, like who it makes thought? <laughs> whose logic dude that would make like the stupidest comedy scene oh, ever i would like, love to see like that. someone's like dude you're getting sleep paralysis you have to put a bag of beans <laughs> at your feet and the guy's like yes. okay i was like you see him later at night getting ready two okay that's good so dumb sorry i love that when you're at chipotle and they ask black or pinto you're like I just need enough to stop the witch. <laughs> They're like both. Who, both. who knows? <laughs> All of them. The whole tray. Be kind. <laughs> just put a tray of Chipotle Even beans jelly at beans. your feet. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say before you move on, mm. I find this so... Poison Palace. If, I, if you just hear me saying like, wow, whoa. Like, I'm not just saying filler stuff. Like, I'm actually very interested and the one thought that keeps replaying my mind as megan is saying all these different stories is it is so interesting to me and i guess it's obvious but for me it's interesting that this phenomenon is consistent like all over the world Mm -hmm. uh that a lot of people can have it because i don't think i don't actually don't know many people or maybe i don't talk about it with people that often who experience sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. so it's so interesting that it's so common enough where there are stories and even traditions and things that you would do to prevent it from happening. Right. It's kind so of that's, that's a great comment because what is interesting about sleep paralysis and that this is going back to actually what, so real quick one, mm-hmm. the, the last one on the list that I had is in Egypt, they call it jinn, which is a very Islamic yes. based belief. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So I wanted to bring that up because Egypt and Cambodia uh-huh. experience high rates of sleep paralysis because they're cultures that talk about it like mm. and so there's this theory mm. and you know studies on the salience of sleep paralysis based on how cultures communicate about the disease that i mean it's not a disease the disorder yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i th- i think that in the u.s like growing up in the states we don't talk about it that much, par no. Kendall Jenner. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's something that I feel is you do have to kind of seek out those those um, chat rooms and things like that. If like you've gone through this experience, then you share that with other people who have gone through the experience. But in Cambodia and Egypt, the reason why they have such high rates of it is because culturally, like community wise, they're very strong oral you know storytellers Mm -hmm. and that combines with their beliefs in things that might be um religion based or supernatural based exactly folklore things like that yep and there's a theory that the more that it's talked about the more it occurs because you keep you start to believe like it will happen to me therefore your anxiety around it increases therefore your chances of actually having it happen to you increases Hmm. So that's the theory around that. It's um it's called cultural priming. Um and that's one of the things that's just that's discussed a lot around sleep paralysis and why it impacts some cultures w- much more than others. So going back to what you said, Harini, you're like you're you know you're surprised like it's so common like 
that all the themes of sleep paralysis are common across cultures, but just some cultures experience it more. Um, That's wild. Yeah. Hmm. So I feel like that kind of answered. No, that does. Your your speculation. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you are, if you're talking about it and you know about it, I feel like it's easier for you to dream about it in some ways, you know? Because it's already like in your mind, but I think it's harder to, for something to happen to you naturally if you don't know what it is or what to even think of in the first place. Going back to Cambodia, there is also uh, strong evidence that shows like countries and or people that have high refugee populations, aka having a lot of PTSD from the traumas that their country have experienced, also are subject to high levels of sleep paralysis. So knowing Mm, Cambodia's history and the impacts that are still happening today Mm -hmm. with like, you know, there's mines still out there that on occasion still blow up sort of thing. Like that's probably something that perpetuates this disorder Mm -hmm. among their whole population. So, so that's the cultural aspect. And if you couldn't tell already, like sleep paralysis is something that has been talked about and written about for a long time. And one example of that is, I don't even know who this person was, but their name, their name is Temsen of Laudatia, who lived mm. in first century BC wow. that described a nightmare associated with a supernatural being called an incubus. And like, like wow. we've been talking about sleep paralysis since forever. You made it onto Reddit and you're from first century BC. <laughs> that is quite the accomplishment. I time traveler (laughs) but what i'm trying to say is like i think also the reason why it persists so strongly in certain cultures is like think about how the how long we've been talking about it like and how Mm -hmm. certain cultures value that storytelling so much like it could just be like something that's ingrained in us so but I, i think maybe the u.s is unique because we're such a melting pot and even though we might come from our parents might come from cultures that have those elements to them are mixing and socializing with cultures that don't have that mm-hmm. is protective in right. some way. Yeah. I think so too. Like, it's not like you're going to bring it up because not everyone else is bringing it up, you know? Right. Right. So you kind of keep it to yourself where you're like, at the most you might talk about with your immediate family, but then that's right. where it ends. Right. So that concludes just the overview of sleep paralysis from the science and cultural side. Mm-hmm. Now we're just going to tell some stories. Yay! I wanted to start with, my not my own experiences per se maybe a little bit of sleep paralysis in my family mm-hmm. and then harini you are more than welcome to share if you know any any anecdotes about sleep I paralysis because I, I think they're the most interesting stories so i'll go ahead and start i think i mentioned this on an episode a while back i forget yeah, which I one did. but my sister i believe has had some bouts of sleep paralysis and i yeah sleep night terrors are a different thing because night terrors you actually have autonomy of your body but you're not conscious it's like the opposite sure you can move but you're like incoherent but i feel like she's had sleep paralysis and yes i talked about this before it's when we were at our house a couple years back this is not the house we currently live in but it's the house when we bought it the previous owner was an old old lady who just died in her home of old age and there was one week that I was visiting from San Diego 
And I always share a bed with my sister when I visit. Like, I don't give mm-hmm. a fuck. Like, yeah. it's nice to snuggle with my yeah. sister. Um, but she had she had pretty much primed me. She had she had told me, she's like, you know, I've been actually having some sleep paralysis dreams recently. Like, I can see the old lady above my bed and, like, all this oh stuff. Oh, my God. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and that night, I remember sleeping. And I remember waking though not totally coherent. So this is why I'm like, I question if this was really me experiencing sleep paralysis. But I remember sleeping in bed next to Manera, seeing her next to me, knowing that she was there, but she was turned on her side. But then looking above me, kind of bleary-eyed, and for like literally five to eight seconds, a shape floating above me, and then I would fully oh awaken, God. and it would be gone. Like I would like kind of oh like God. shake my head. Like once I got you know my head to shake like i'd be like oh it's gone did one of the things that i didn't mention but i felt like it might have been clear most cases of sleep paralysis are they are described as like fearful cases like there's fear that's associated with them that that makes total sense because you don't know what's happening and you're like you think you're at threatened by whatever this shape is so obviously fear is an outcome of that why i question if this was a real sleep paralysis event for me is because i remember seeing the shape and maybe for a moment feeling discomfort at the unknown and being Mm -hmm. like what like like oh and I guess you could define that as panic in some way but I don't feel like I was fully scared the moment I woke up in fact I felt very rational the moment I could recognize I would be like huh like my brain would literally say as I'm lying there now that the shape is gone I'd be like that's interesting like what was that? <laughs> and Megan, I think that's just you. I think that's just a Megan thing. Yeah, but it, but it was. I would have like a very contemplative moment and then go back to sleep. Um, sure, but but I do feel like that, and so that's happened a couple times with me. But it's always the same thing. It's only like five to eight seconds. I'm in my bed. It's happened down here in San Diego where really? I will, mm-hmm, where I will wake and I suddenly see kind of like a shape lift above my body. And then I become conscious and um, it's not there anymore. And I'm, and, I, and I'm just like, it was not there. I think I overcome it so quickly because I'm like, I was just sleeping. It's nothing. But I've never had the experience where there's something at the foot of my bed or some people have the experience of like something coming in their doorway and things like oh, that. Oh, my Lanta. So I've never had that, which I'm actually scary. quite grateful for. I have one more story to share. And it was kind of interesting to think about this because this is actually my first exposure to a story about sleep paralysis, but I never put it together because I was told the story when I was so young. But this story is actually from my dad. And I think he told me this when I was maybe like 10 or 11. And it, it scared me. I was like, thanks a lot, dad. Like, now I'm going to have trouble sleeping. <laughs> oh, my God. But I didn't. Same. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it, it was probably sleep paralysis that I experienced. But uh. when he was a kid, he told me that he would have repeat visitation from this entity that he called the Ubermeister. (laughs) And that's what he would call it, the Ubermeister. But how he described it, he was like, like he made the name kind of silly. But then when he started talking about it, I was like, oh, this actually sounds really scary. But he was like, yeah, I remember I was sleeping in my bed as a kid. And there was this just, it's like a haggard, old man that clearly didn't have had some sort of aggression in him and my dad described him as as like an old almost like kind of like dirty um uh maybe derelict like a derelict looking individual 
and he would hover over his bed, like stand right over him. And there, I guess one time the man got close to his face and just snarled, snarled in his oh face. Oh my God. And he, I think he had that a couple times as a kid, but he would call him the Ubermeister. And then this is just an aside, but I, this is all the thoughts I was thinking when I recalled my dad telling me that story is I think he attached that story to this one chair that my grandma had at her house. I know that doesn't make any sense, but my grandma, she owns this chair that is super old. It almost looks Nordic. Like the mm-hmm. the chair, the back of the chair has like almost like a Nordic face sure. inscribed uh, like as part of the back of the chair. It's not like a defined human. It's just one of like one of those like like a gaping mouth and like beady eyes sort of like wooden face in the chair. And the the cushioning is deflated like this. There's no cushion. It's just an old ass wooden heavy oak chair. And I've always thought it was beautiful because of its mystery and it's like like oldness and ancientness. But I think my dad had said like his inspiration for that Ubermeister story was somehow attached to that face on the chair too. Interesting. So whenever I saw that chair, I would think this chair has a presence. There's an ominousness there. Um, but I love that chair. I know that sounds, that's like a weird, weird connection, but yeah. No, I'm so curious. Like, well, actually the first thought I had when you brought that up was like, oh, like what if wherever your grandma got that chair, that's like the man used to own that chair or like used to sit in that chair or like, which is probably honestly more likely, like since if your dad was very young at the time, we see these things like as kids and then we form those into like, a face you know in right. our minds you totally. know and our imagination just like runs wild and yeah we don't think of like in our conscious state we see something we don't think it's scary and then our minds like turn into something else when yeah. we're sleeping i um, i can yeah. see like a scenario of him as a child them having that chair in the hallway at the end of the hallway at night him probably going to the bathroom and seeing the the nordic face just kind of like in the shadows looking at him like yeah it would be scary it would be like absolutely yeah wow that's wild yeah oh my god that's freaking scary man and i in my head i was like is megan's dad telling this to little megan and manir on the way to like dorothea puente's house from that one episode (laughs) (laughs) no you know i i you know what i do love about my dad is he would tell us these stories it was never to scare us it was literally no. because he thought they were interesting but he, he yeah. didn't realize the impact of like we're old enough to understand what threat sounds like what like right. what danger sounds like and so he you know he's just telling it to us as like oh this is just like a fun thing like you don't have to be scared by it but i'm like i'm now i'm i remember that night he told me about the ubermeister and we slept with our door open there's a nightlight in the hall and i remember not sleeping i remember literally you know how when your your room is dark but the night lights on and you can in the doors just open so you just see kind of like the gleam of the yellow light on the door Mm -hmm. and i am waiting i'm dreading to see a shadow slowly cross that i remember and i would be like there's there's gonna be a man an old man slowly crawling into my my room yeah with the gleam of the yellow night light ugh God, it's freaking horrid. Like, that's horrifying. Horrifying. I think we've all had those nights. I had that night last night. 
because I'm watching scary stories. <laughs> and I do this to myself all the time. Yeah. I get scared so easily, but I still watch this shit. I'm like, I do it to myself. Yeah, I deserve I it. I know. But anyways, feeling. sorry, did you have more stories? No, that's, that's it on my end. But I'll, okay. I'll share Reddit stories after you go, after your story. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Issa is one of our really, really good friends. And uh, we all lived together at some point, me, Megan, Issa, and another friend of ours in college. So that's where this happened, at least the instance that she told me about. So up until this point, for the last like three, four years of college, we all, when we lived together, we shared a room. So it would be me and Megan in a room and then Issa and our other friends, Samita, would live in the other room. Uh, And then when we moved and Megan moved out, I got my own room and Issa also got her own room. And then the other two girls, they shared. So this was the first time in a while that Issa had her own room. And I don't know. The only reason I mentioned that is I wonder if that had something to do with it, with her being by herself again. I'm not entirely sure. Anyways, so this happened in this other house where she had her own room. And I remember her telling me the next morning when she woke up, she was like, dude, I slept so horribly last night. Like, just woke up like terrified. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh no, like what happened? And she's like, I was feeling like I was about to wake up. And I did wake up, but then I couldn't move. Like no matter what I did, I couldn't move. And I swear to God, like there was like a figure of a man or someone Mm. walking through my door towards me. And there's no matter what I did, like I couldn't make a noise. I couldn't Mm -hmm. move my hands, my feet, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I just, she was like, I literally like, I mean, I, I, now I'm like, ex- mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but I feel like she's like, I thought like that was it. Like, you know, yeah. I was going to die or yeah. something. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very, I guess at the very last minute, like she forced herself like full willpower mm-hmm. to like f- move her body. Mm-hmm. And then it just like was all gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think she, I've heard yeah. this story. Yeah. But yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember her telling me this and I was very frightened because mm. I think that was my first instance of hearing something like that like mm, a, mm-hmm. like I because I'm trying to think now of my own experiences I have had sleep paralysis but not to like this extent where mm. like I'm seeing something and it's feels scary mm-hmm. I it's more of like that warm and cozy like sleep paralysis where I'm just like oh, I can't move <laughs> but I'm still <laughs> sleepy you know and I'm like I'm just like so uh like you feel like you're in like those like saltwater baths and you're yes. just like uh zoned yes. out you know yeah. like that's the kind of sleep paralysis I get yeah probably not after this episode but <laughs> anyways <laughs> I hope that's how you continue to have them that's so but, funny yeah I think by the international classification of sleep disorders three which is basically which is the, D- <laughs> the equivalent of dsm-5 mm-hmm, it's there's mm-hmm. this there's a whole book dedicated to sleep disorders for that um what you are experiencing the warm and cozy <laughs> i don't think that would fall under the definition of gotcha. sleep paralysis because i think sense. it's very specific but whatever you're feeling you definitely have atonia and What's other, there? Needs, there needs to be a good term. It's obviously it's not listed as a, as a disorder because you're having a good yeah. time. I, I'm <laughs> having, having a, a good, good time. time. Well, yeah. no. Here's the thing. Like, I and when you when you brought this up as a topic, yeah, I'm now in the world of you know just these types of sleep phenomenons. Yeah, and one thing that te- technically not technically typically happens mm-hmm. after I'm in that warm and cozy like saltwater bath state mm-hmm. is. I tend to lucid dream after mm, that. Okay. And that is something yeah. I have done on multiple yeah. occasions where I've 
lucid dreamt and I'm doing shit in my dream and it's all inception like and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've done that. And I think the reason why me and Issa even like talked about this, like, or why mm-hmm. she even told me about this, because we used to talk about lucid dreaming. And I know that Issa uh, in, her, in the past had tried to lucid dream. I think so, so does me to try to like, you know, it's like you kind of biohack yeah. your mind in that way. Right, right. Um, so I think that's why we were already talking about these things. And she told me about this. And I remember feeling really scared for her and just yeah. like about the fact that that's something that could happen. And I was like, oh my yeah, God, yeah. that's really, really scary and really stressful. She's like, it felt real, you know, right, but I right. obviously she knew it wasn't. Right. So scary. Yeah. So, so I think in mm-hmm. some way, lucid dreaming is the more gentle, more positive thing as a, um, in contrast to sleep paralysis. Like, I think that's exactly what you described um, that you're experiencing. Also, really cool that you're capable of doing it. I don't think I've been mm-hmm. able to ever lucid dream, except for eventually if I want to wake up in a dream, I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I'm not, I don't want to scare you. I don't oh, want no. to scare. They say that it, it goes both ways. So here, there's a positive to it. They say that people who are capable of lucid dreaming can also definitely experience sleep paralysis, probably yeah. more likely. But yeah. here's the opposite way. Well, I guess there's three things here. People <laughs> who experience sleep paralysis can actually, if, if, I don't know if, if it's like with training or something, but if you experience sleep paralysis, you can learn in some way how to turn that into a lucid dream ability Mm. um so that's Mm -hmm. actually really cool there too and so that's like a positive outcome but they yeah they say there's a connection there like if you're capable of lucid dreaming you could probably experience sleep paralysis and vice versa so it makes sense yeah yeah for sure and i i'm sure like actually when you spoke of your dad having Mm -hmm. like this recurring dream Mm -hmm. i know as a kid i used to have a recurring nightmare Mm. but now that i think about it i wonder if it was sleep paralysis do you Um, want to describe it it was (laughs) i don't want to scare people but um i remember because i used to stay in my parents room when i was younger but i wasn't on the bed they made me sleep in a sleeping bag on the floor next to them because i think they were tired of me they're like you can't stay here anymore um so maybe i'm outing my parents a little too much but anyways so so but i was very cozy i will say on the on the sleeping bag anyways so maybe it's more night terrors i do remember like waking up screaming or freaking out for sure and it'd be the same thing it'd be like like a clown Mm. literally like chasing me interesting but i wouldn't yeah. be awake it's not the same thing it's not the same no. thing it's a night terror because i remember i was terror. definitely asleep the whole time yeah. and then but it just felt very 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 real of course yeah yeah that's a night terror so ha- doing this research i looked up <clears throat> several other interesting uh sleep disorders exploding head syndrome being <laughs> one of them but um yeah so night terrors are a disorder that's what it sounds like you had but also mm-hmm. there's nightmare disorder which happens mm. to be kind of like when you have recurring nightmares of the same yeah, yeah. thing and then there's like a next level to nightmare disorder where it happens so much that you get ptsd but i forget what that wow. one's called yeah or you you, you they they could test your brain and they'd be like you have signs of ptsd wow. because of how much you've experienced so this crazy. one nightmare yeah wow and mm-hmm. i guess now we're kind of going off topic i think mm-hmm. we could talk about this all day but <laughs> i am so curious and i wonder in your like research if this came up at all but Mm -hmm. the whole concept whether it's a good dream or bad dream Mm -hmm. the concept of having the same dream more than once like exactly Mm. like to the t where you're almost having like deja vu in your dream i'm like why why does that why does that happen you know 
I I didn't go too far into yeah. that that realm, but that's a really Food great question. Thought. Yeah, I think okay. about that stuff all the time. I could have ha- I had the opportunity to look into it. But <laughs> no, I was focused no. on the the paralysis, but as you should be. <laughs> yeah, I was just no, gonna no. say Continue. I I hypothesize that having the same dream over and over again is some sort of segue into learning how to lucid dream too. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, that's all speculation. I can see that. Yeah. All right, let's um, write it up. Alrighty, <laughs> folks. So. We shared our stories, our own personal anecdotes, but the best place to get these types of spooky stories, <laughs> especially about sleep paralysis, is Reddit. So I pulled up a couple, and so I might just scroll on some, but there was one that made me laugh. <laughs> there's always there's always going to be some that are <laughs> maybe like, we really should funny. have that one. We should sprinkle yeah. some lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just start with this one. Very simple, but uh, again, they're. They're all pretty similar accounts. I don't think there was one that really stood out to me Mm, unless mm -hmm. they wrote it a certain way. But I'll start with this one. I was eight and I had woken up. Woken up is in air quotes. Mm -hmm. I had woken up in the middle of the night to see a pitch black, darker than my room, tall lady with really long hair standing at the foot of my bed. I couldn't make out any facial features or anything, but I knew it was a woman. I couldn't really move or breathe, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to because I didn't want to make any noise. I had Mm. never heard of sleep paralysis. So for years, I thought I saw a ghost. I never slept in that room again. Wow. Um, Yeah. Wow. Which is really interesting because it's like they, the like, I mean, I don't know what this person's cultural background is or like their beliefs in the paranormal, but like their immediate explanation was just like, I think it was just a ghost and I'm just going to accept that and move on with my life. To be honest, that's what I would have thought if I didn't know what sleep paralysis was. I think Mm -hmm. that's probably where my mind would go. Um, Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I was a little more rational, I'd be like, oh, I was just dreaming and nothing's there. But Mm -hmm. I think I would think ghost. But also, why the hell does our brains collectively across the world see like a figure like that's I so bizarre to know. me right like like why is it most often some sort of humanoid shape right right um i don't know why that yeah is. i wonder how that ties into anxiety right if 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 sleep paralysis is caused by stress or anxiety or some sort of um psychiatric condition why does that manifest itself into a human shape i don't yeah. know because we're the scariest things on earth yeah like is it maybe maybe that's the most primal you know how like we have our our elements of our primal brain that still exist Mm -hmm. those pathways Mm -hmm. are there but we don't utilize them unless it's a fight or flight thing yeah what if deep down our biggest fear is humans because we recognize Mm -hmm. the threat that they are you know how like we have our um our primal brain will that's why people are scared of snakes because that's something that's evolutionary that maybe Mm -hmm. hasn't left their particular brain pathway. I'm sure there are actual neuroscientists out there that are like hearing this and are being like, what the fuck are you talking about? But this is what I recall from child development classes. Okay. Um, But I think maybe, yeah. Like I wonder if it, if we manifest our greatest fear, which is a human. Yeah. That's just a, that's just a hypothesis. Hypothesis. No, I think that there's some truth to that, but I find that so interesting. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Here's another one. This one's this one I thought was interesting in terms of like the clinical aspect. Okay. So this one written by Sunny Lego. (laughs) Sunny Lego writes, it's actually how I was diagnosed with epilepsy. Mm. Uh, I had been having weird dizzy spells for three years, starting at age 11 that my parents said were just from puberty hormones. Those are in air quotes, puberty hormones. 
When I was 14, I woke up paralyzed, was screaming and freaking out, got taken to the ER. Doctors wanted me in the psych ward because they said while there was no reason I can't move, they could tell I really believed I couldn't move due to me not flinching when I was touched. Finally, I did an MRI, and it was a type of seizure called Todd's paralysis, where you have a seizure in your sleep and your brain and body lose connection after. Turns out those weird dizzy spells were complex partial seizures. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. Um, here's one. I don't know how to pronounce User C. Henley. Mm. I've only experienced sleep paralysis three times, but my first time was the worst. I've never had any visual encounters, but when it happened the first time, I was laying on my left side and started to feel the pressure on my chest. When I realized I was paralyzed and started panicking, something whispered in my ear, just coming in to say goodnight. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's when I felt like something was pushing me towards the edge of my bed. Terrifying shit. Um, Dude. What? Why? Yeah. So so it is what is it is interesting like you sometimes it's not a visual like there you can't have the auditory aspect of it or just like a sensation um uh, of whatever is in the room with you or what you perceive to be in the room um why like why the like why is our brain so fucked up i don't know when i was young um as i would fall asleep i haven't experienced this before and actually if i experienced it now i think i would be scared of it but when I was young and falling asleep, I would sometimes hear someone say my name. And I think I always perceived that as something as like, you know, your brain was active from the day, your mom and dad called to you throughout the house all day. Mm-hmm. So it, um, I, to me, I was like, maybe it's just like an echo. Like it's an mm-hmm. echo of what my auditory part of my brain remembers from the day. But I remember sometimes like sleeping, like it would be, it, I'd be in my N1 stage, essentially mm-hmm. falling asleep, drifting off. And I'd hear Megan and mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not that I would look around, but it would, it would wake me up. I'd, I'd yeah, open my yeah. eyes and I'd be like, did I just imagine that? But it, it was the type of hearing of it that it wasn't like me saying my name in my own head. It's not like yeah. if you, yeah, I know what if, you mean. like, like if you're, if I close <laughs> my mouth right now and just say Megan in my head, I'm going to do it right now. One, two, three. It's not the same sound. It was like actually hearing my name being called or like said. Like someone else is calling. Yeah. Me. Yeah. 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 So those could be your guardian angels. I know on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to reach out to you. I'm like, we're here. <laughs> this one, this person wrote three different instances. Jeez. You only um, get one, buddy. I know. <laughs> this per- the username is send me your feet pics. <laughs> Oh my god okay so they wrote it they they did like bullet points one two and three so one i saw a cat-sized shadow creature at the base of my bed and it slowly crawled up onto my sheets and finally up to my chest i felt uncomfortable second instance another time i saw a shadow man walking around my room disappearing behind my open door this was the scariest one i've had so far third instance this one was the best I saw a couple of surreal-looking penguins rocking around my bedroom. It was amusing and funny. Oh, my God. I yeah. love it. He's so just... I don't know Very, like, fat, matter-of-fact. Yes. Yeah. These are the facts. Yeah. That's it. And to uh, the point. I yeah, thought when point. you said three stories, I'm like, oh, man, this guy uh, wants some attention. <laughs> no, no, very, very short and sweet. And he got I a lot it. of likes on that, too. So he, he did the right thing. He, Good she, job. whoever they are. I'm 100% certain. Mm-hmm 
that I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole point of yeah. Spooktober series. Sorry, yeah. Poison Pals, if you guys are also scared I like know. me. <laughs> okay. So this one is in response to another prompt that uh, wrote, people have read it with sleep paralysis. What is the scariest experience you have had? <clears throat> so user Miles Dizzy replied, someone brushing a knife against their cheek saying they'd gut me and fuck my insides until I died if I made a single noise or tried oh. to move. <laughs> that one's really dark. Oh, I tried to scream and someone came running, but they were still part of the episode and they jumped on top of me and started screaming in my face. The what? entire time I had been trying to move my fingers. I was slowly mm-hmm. able to and rolled myself over to the light, flipped it on and the episode was over. I spent the rest of the night awake in a cold sweat with the lights on. One of the worst experiences of my life. Thankfully, I haven't had an episode in about a year. A year? I thought you were going to say ever. I know. (laughs) In a year. I know. They had it. That was five years ago, too. (laughs) Okay. Good, good, good. (laughs) Poor thing. We need an update, person. (laughs) Update. Miles Dizzy, tell us. Give us some hope. Yeah, that one's pretty dark. Oh, this one's... This is not one, but someone commented about exploding head syndrome. They're like, exploding head syndrome. It's real and it sucks. Just as you're about to enter deep sleep, boom. The sound of a gunshot explodes in your head. What? You can go back to sleep, but good luck with that. Dang. That is really interesting. Okay, here's... <clears throat> this might be the, our last one. Okay. I've had sleep paralysis my whole life. I have very distinct memories of it as a child. I would always start with me, quote unquote, waking up. And there would mm-hmm. be a man in my room in the corner, standing over me, etc. And mm. I would scream for my parents, but nothing would come out. Just quiet air, no matter how hard I tried to scream. Once I entered college, it started getting worse, and I would feel the men run their hands over my body and stuff like that. I'm lucky I never had paranormal hallucinations like lots of people do, but it's really scary to truly believe there is an intruder in your room and he's touching you or about to trigger warning, rape you, kill you, and you can't scream. The scariest experience was earlier this year. I woke up and saw a man in all black disguise crouching at the edge of my bed, moving onto my bed, and I started to scream. I had this tiny, Mm -hmm. tiny shred of relief knowing that this is how all my sleep paralysis dreams are, and that after a little while of trying to scream, I would get to wake up. Except Mm -hmm. I actually screamed. I fucking screamed. And I heard my scream echoing in my head, and I screamed more and more. It was real. There really was a man that (gasps) entered my room. Years and years of the same nightmare finally coming true. I've yet to recover. Oh my god. That is that, folks. I, uh, man, I want to like hug that person. Wow, that is so sad. That is so freaking literally a nightmare come true. Oh my god, Mm -hmm. I don't know even what to say. That's, dude, shit is fucked up. Yeah. Shit is fucked up. So, uh, Lock your doors and windows. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's so scary. Uh, yeah. I know that. So, poison pals, you can't see this, but I have like a smile on my face. But that's also because Reddit is notorious for sharing these stories. Sometimes they're very true. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just people practicing their writing. We will never know if that user was genuine. <laughs> Okay. 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 So, so grain of salt, relieve, I suppose. Yeah. If that helps relieve the the tension, who knows if that is true? 
but for the sake of scaring uh, ourselves, we can believe it if we yes. want to. Yeah, mission accomplished by mm-hmm. a long shot. God damn. Okay. Okay, wait. There's one that I thought was so funny because of how someone replied to it. <laughs> okay, here it is. Okay. This one is written by user, you don't know me, dog. <laughs> oh, yes, we don't. You, don't. you don't know me, dog, writes, I've posted before, but here it is again. I've had sleep paralysis several times, but the absolute worst was this. I, quote unquote, woke up to the front door opening. Thought it was weird. The dog didn't bark. I tried to wake my husband up, but couldn't move. My eyes were open and I could see him in the bed next to me, laying on his side, facing away from me. But I couldn't move or speak to get his attention. I heard the rustle of blue jeans rubbing together as someone walked through the living room into the kitchen. The refrigerator door opened, and I heard someone get a piece of ham out, then heard the dog eating it. <laughs> what? Okay, what? Don't laugh yet. <laughs> Sorry, don't laugh yet. I tried to scream, tried to nudge my husband, tried to move, tried everything, but I was frozen. I somehow knew then that my husband was dead. Not what? sure why. That's just like what they dreamed, like what they're imagining. Oh my God. Not sure why or how, but I knew he wasn't alive. I what? heard the heavy footsteps of boots coming towards the bedroom, so I closed my eyes and pretended to be asleep, all while still trying to reach out and touch my husband. I figured out it was a man. He came around the foot of the bed to my side, and even though I couldn't turn and look, I knew he was there. I kept my eyes closed and tried not to let him see the tears. Then he leaned down over me. I can still smell the alcohol on his breath as he leaned up to my ear and said, Honey, he's already gone and you're next. <gasps> oh my fucking God. And someone replied, How'd you know it was ham? Does ham have a certain sound? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> trolly shit like clearly yeah this person i i thought it was a good story but in my head i'm like yeah like it's a little too talked up i'm like what do you what do you mean you that's heard the so ham? you heard him eat some that's ham? such a good observation <laughs> like how does she know that's that true so funny that's how you kind of know like if that's if that is true yeah it's kind of how you know like you're dreaming like right that means like your brain made that up and that's how you know it was ham right <laughs> <laughs> you just knew it was ham yeah that's so uh, bizarre wow i love i love reddit comments yeah. it's so funny Alrighty, <laughs> i am gonna be watching like blues clues before i yeah. go to bed <laughs> i'm gonna watch some cartoons cartoons all the way gonna watch Snuggle some burgers. Oh, dave's not home huh is he not no, here dave is at home he's gone and now. i want to make sure he's oh. doesn't leave my side <laughs> oh no oh uh, yeah no yeah. no that's not you gotta happening. you gotta put your sleeping bag right next to your parents I know. bed again <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna be like mom and dad i'm 27 years old and i'm back to sleep right in between you two <laughs> uh, okay i think they would actually love it but i think so i think for I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was definitely freaking scary. Very good job, Megan. Thank you, thank you. Who knew? Happy Spooktober. Seriously, <laughs> God. If you guys can't tell by now, Megan really enjoys scaring others. <laughs> she relishes. I, maybe a little. I 
I used to be the kid that hated when people did that. So I'm not saying really? that I love doing... Yeah, like, I recognized that, like, people would be uncomfortable around scary stories. And, like, I also get sp- spooked out. Like, it's hard for me to watch scary movies mm. unless they're, like, really, really good. Then I'll be like, okay, I'll watch it. And yeah, I'll be really yeah. happy I watched it. But I will not be able to sleep for, like, weeks. <laughs> okay. Weeks, <laughs> weeks can equal months. Yes. Yeah. That is all to say... I took pleasure in this just because I think sleep paralysis is really fascinating and people's stories around it are interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's not like I did it to scare. It was just like good storytelling. Like I love good good storytelling. storytelling. So agreed. Agreed. Anyways. And it was, why don't we lighten up the mood? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. With Uh, with antidotes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Okay. What is my antidote? My antidote is, David and I celebrated our one month anniversary and we went to LA and we had a Aww. great time. Oh, Megan, I need to tell you this. Okay, yeah. this is perfect. So okay. <laughs> we had a really good time. Like I um, planned everything and nice. we did a little bit of like all of our favorite things, which is eating some good food. Hell yeah. And then we went to the Getty, which I've never been yes. to before. Oh, I love it. Uh, Gorgeous. And we just like saw some art in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then we went and had a really nice meal, like a high scale restaurant meal that yeah. was all vegetarian, actually. It's like all like love. vegetable focused. And it was really freaking good. Love that. And at that said restaurant, which was in Beverly Hills, I'm so the way that we're seated is I'm sitting out it's all outdoors so I'm sitting mm-hmm. here and Dave's sitting across from me so they can see pretty much the entrance and like everyone like coming in I would say and I'm my back is to like the entrance mm-hmm. okay so Dave's just like kind of looking over my shoulder and he's like dude I think that's Reza from Shaw the <gasps> Sunset no and I was like what <laughs> no. okay sorry if you guys post and pals, if you guys don't watch that show but meg and i used to watch that show all the time um and i'm like are you sure and he's like don't look right now but yeah he's like right by the entrance sitting down with his husband adam and i was like oh my god and wow. i was like so then i look and it's him it's like straight up him and adam Wow. And me and Dave were just like going back and forth. Oh, should we like go say hi and like no. whatever? But I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely. Like I was like, no, no, no. We're not going to bother them. They're clearly like on like a date mm-hmm. night. And so we're just going to let them enjoy. And yeah. then they basically got up to leave maybe like not even five minutes after that. Mm-hmm. And they had their Porsche like parked like right up front, like yeah. valet. It wasn't even like you couldn't even valet at the restaurant, but they had yeah. a valet because they're <laughs> resident. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so we watched them get in and they just looked so cool when they were like driving by. <laughs> and Adam looked great. Yeah. Like, he just like laid back in the Porsche as like right on his sunglasses and like looked into the sunset and then they just drove wow. off. It was gorgeous. <gasps> But anyways, I had like a fangirl moment from college days. Did he still, did Reza still sport his mustache? Yes, he totally did. And he's like kind of got like a salt and pepper thing going on. And he looks great. Like they both look really, really good. Yeah. Oh my God. And it kind of made me like wonder, like what are they up to now? Because I don't think the show is still on, but I don't know if they still do stuff on like Bravo or anything like that. But yeah. Yeah, they might be like 
you know, uh, occasional guests that do commentary or something right. like that. Yeah, I don't know if Shaws of Sunset is still running. I could easily do a Google search. I but know. you know what? I'll do that after we end this recording. Exactly. <laughs> but that's really dope. Seeing a celebrity in public. <laughs> Dude, I feel like you're just guaranteed. I know it's like cliche to be like, oh, just go to Beverly Hills or go to Hollywood and you'll see a celebrity. Yeah. But to be honest, every single time I've gone there, I have seen somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll it's see like pretty someone. common. Yeah. 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 That's so neat. Oh, cool. I love that. That was probably like the cherry on top of your day. It was. Weekend. And it was yeah. like our last night there too. So it was, it was just a good time. Perfect. They showed yeah. up just for you. <laughs> and oh, it, Dave looked it up. It was their anniversary. <gasps> what? I think that's why they were there. Yes. That's and now it's all coming back to me. That's they like looked it up. And I guess that was they were like on our their date night or you, something. You like went straight to their Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like something like that. He's like, oh, they're here yeah. because it's their wedding anniversary or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, very cool. That's We're twins. dope. <laughs> twins. We're twins. Wedding twins. Wedding twins. <laughs> anyway, I that's love mine. that. Oh, that's really, really cool. Um, Okay, so for me, okay, yeah, my antidote is poo poo, but <laughs> it, it's the dookie part of spooky dookie. Um, mm-hmm. I love my cats. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you know. I'm really pulling at straws here. My my life has been really nice recently, uh, but nothing like significant. Like I like to do my anecdotes around events or like something that oh, was meaningful. My but God. I am so like it's just I've just been <laughs> my anecdote is that I love my cats. That's all I gotta say. Megan, the way that you said that was like I know this is a freaking cop out, but you're like I do, I do. No, it's it's a total cop out. But I hey, hope you, you haven't said that. that yet. You haven't said that's an antidote. So oh, well, works. I absolutely adore them, and I'm saying that because I see Jade sleeping on my bed right now, and she's been oh. such a cute, precious nugget of love recently. So, so cute. There we go. That's I it. love it. That's and I love it. your cats too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> they love you. They're very interactive cats, and I'm not used to mm. having such interactive cats around me. And mm-hmm. uh, I around cats in terms of neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, and they never want to play with me. Uh, maybe that was like <laughs> a me thing. I don't know. It could be a cat thing. But uh, Megan's cats are always so cuddly and cute, and just want to like hang and be pet. Yeah, it's just it's just nice. I f- yeah, I feel like whatever you experienced might have been a cat thing um yeah some cats just like but also cats might pick up on like if if you were a kid back in the day they're probably like Mm. this is a small human that yeah they're smart to deal with you know yeah yeah all right all right all right uh wow this is a long one okay megan are you ready to take us on out ready ready to take us out don't risk it for that ham eating (laughs) sleep paralysis demon biscuit jeez mouthful i love it uh thanks guys that's another episode see you next time bye bye